モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ How are you doing? This is, of course, Chidoshi, and you are listening to my stupid little. <laughs> I've been so long since I've done this. I don't know. I don't even know. Like, I went back to listen to how I'm supposed to start these things, and I didn't actually listen to it. Um, so, you're listening to my stupid little single person kind of audio bloggy podcast known as Miranda's Sweet Shop. How are you? It's been a while, hasn't it, uh, since we've met? And by met, I mean you listening to me um, talk. This is my eighth episode. <clears throat> Let's look back on when I started this to see how long it's taken for us to get here. And this is going to make me cry. Oh, my Lord. This is going to really make me cry when I look at this because my first episode of Miranda's Sweets Shop was... <laughs> Five days off, okay. Five days off. But let's say that the, it's not those five days. Uh, two, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, two years ago. Because my first episode came out on Saturday, December 10th, 2011. It has taken me two years to make um, eight episodes of this podcast. So yes, I am... <laughs> clearly working on running a huge podcast timing to get these shows out and i know i know i should not have even said that name i'm sorry it's, it's a sore subject i know um it's not it, it really uh i don't want to i didn't want to talk about it but it's not dead it really is it's not dead it, when it's dead that other thing that i mentioned but i should not have mentioned when it's dead i will say it's dead but it's not dead yet okay maybe someday there will be more. Uh, and it's, I, I know. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Because I have myself to bitch at for taking so long. So here's the thing. I was going to do this episode. I want to say, as my cat is just sitting here, like, manically licking me. I do not know why. So 
This is Gigi. You cannot see him. You're not going to even hear him, but he is standing right next to this microphone. Uh, Gigi is, of course, a black cat uh, named so after Kiki's Delivery Service, the Studio Ghibli movie. And uh, when we first got Gigi, um, his previous family just kind of threw him out. So the, the story as I understand it is that he lived with somebody and they were moving and they just tossed him outside because they didn't want to deal with him, I guess, in, in moving. Uh, which was especially bad because Gigi uh, was declawed in his front claws. So they took this cat and just threw him out to have him defend for himself. Uh, when he obviously was a house cat, because this cat has no survival skills whatsoever. Uh, with no claws in the front. So my mom picked him up and brought him home one day. And I kind of inherited him. And so when we first got him, he was uh, a very kind of, I don't even want to say shy or cold or what he was, but he was not a very affectionate cat. He did not really want to be around humans. He, I mean, it wasn't like he disliked people. You know, he, was, he wasn't like mean or, or scared or anything. He just kind of would like hang out and chill. Um, but he didn't want to like sit on your lap or, or really, you know, have much interaction with you. And he's very much changed over the years. Because we got him in 2008. Um, but he's gotten to this point in his life where he just loves licking you and he won't stop. And he just does it at just terrible times like when you're trying to sleep. He just gets up on my pillow and just plunks down my pillow and will lick my face. And it's kind of annoying, isn't it, you little brat? Uh, so, okay, before he came and interrupted me, I was saying that I was going to do a show right at the end of summer because part of what I'll talk about today was my trip to Belarus. Uh, and I was going to have a show after I got back from there. And that kind of fell through. And then just things got super uber crazy at work. Because um, I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know. This might be a spoiler. I'm sorry. But uh, two brand new consoles came out. Yes, so probably one of the biggest, <coughs> excuse me, gaming uh, points in gaming in the last eight years or so. We have a brand new PlayStation and a brand new Xbox going head to head. So, not surprisingly, work got very crazy, and I did not get a chance to do this podcast. And then, um, well, before that, but I also went back to Japan for TGS. And I was like, I should do a TGS show, and that got pushed back, and just, it's been terrible. Finally, now, I am having a chance to sit down, have some breathing time, have some time to do stuff like recording podcasts, so uh, that's why we're here, and I am recording over, okay, hang on a second. So I had not actually cleared out the previous audio that was in the uh, GarageBand file, which I did not realize. And it probably wasn't a big deal, but just to be safe, I stopped and deleted it. Uh, and now we're going fine again. Uh, I, there might be some weird breaks in this because I'm actually making homemade soup. Uh, so I have this big pot of stuff on my stove that is simmering. And I might have to go back and take care of that every now and then. Anyway, so we are here. And this is going to become a maniac, not maniac, manacle show. Um, cause I don't, I have like a lot of things I was going to talk about and I don't know which ones I'm going to get into, 
I don't want this to be like an eight-hour show or anything um, because this is not that other podcast. So I'm going to – if you if, – <laughs> If you follow me on Twitter or, or if you listen to this podcast, you know that like something's going on in my life um, that I, I and I am at times very bad about teasing things. And I, I try, I will occasionally do it like game related stuff, you know, or other kind of stuff. And I try not to, but I have this real urge to do that. Like I've, I'm bad sometimes with keeping secrets. Like when I know something, um, I really want to say something about it, you know, and I, I try not to tease too much and that kind of things, but in terms of my personal life, there's been things that I've been teasing the hell out of for, for a little while now. Like I said, both on this show, on Twitter, and just other things. And you may know what's going on. You might not know what's going on. Uh, but that, too, has kind of been a reason I've been so busy lately because even outside of work, this has been just like one of the craziest six months in my life in a long time in terms of personal things. And I don't say that in a bad way. I don't mean bad. I mean just um, getting things worked out, uh, getting things taken care of, getting things in order. And my guess is by the time I do... An- <laughs> Sorry, my cat is just doing weird things now. He can't stand the fact I'm not paying attention to him. Um, by the time I do my next show, Miranda Sweet Shop show, this this probably won't be a secret anymore. Uh, whatever whatever this big secret is, um, and I know it's like I'm not saying this in a way that like everybody's on pins and needles, uh, wanting to know like what this big secret is. I'm just saying that like the thing I've been hinting about and the thing that I've been kind of talking around uh, for a while now, it should be out there. Um, by the time I do another one of these Miranda Sweet Shops. So that's that. And that's been crazy. And it's always tough doing this show because I want to come on here and just talk about it. And I can't for various reasons. Next time, maybe I can. Uh, So we'll see. And then I was going to say, I tried to not get into the gaming stuff very much on here, but there were a few things I wanted to say. And the moment I say that, I completely have forgotten the big thing I wanted to talk about. Wow, this is really embarrassing. Um, so two two new consoles came out. I'm going to stall and kind of set this up in hopes of my remembering what I was going to say. Man, this is really... I, I oh. So two new consoles come out. The Xbox One, PlayStation 4. Uh, I, I do have both. Um, I self-purchased one and then I got one through work and uh, oh I do I remember now okay we're okay we're okay I do have a favorite uh I don't know if I'll get into which one's my favorite it's probably not hard to guess um and that's not nothing against the other one like you know so let me let me say the the whole thing about system wars and people who kind of pick sides. So I guess I'm in saying this, I'm going to kind of give a secret of which one I like better, but that's fine. So last generation, and that's a really weird thing to say, I think, say last generation now, because to me it's still current generation and next generation, but now it's last generation and current generation, technically, because they have now all come out. So last generation, 
I was definitely a PlayStation 3 person. Um, and that was not because the Xbox 360, I, I thought, sucked or anything like that. The Xbox 360 is a fantastic system, and there are times when I disagree with Microsoft's way of doing things or business practices or whatever. As a console, that was a fantastic console, and they really put a lot of great work into it. They built a superb platform for gaming. And I completely understand why anybody would pick the Xbox 360 over the PS3 as their main platform. For me, uh, there were a lot of things. Um, I And I know some of you are going to think I'm, I'm insane for saying this. I like the DualShock 3 better than the Xbox 360 controller. Uh, and not just because of the D-pad, but for a variety of reasons. Um, so that was a big thing for me. I much preferred having an online system that you didn't have to pay for. And if there's anything that I'm going to admit to in terms of ideological or uh, real complaints I have against Microsoft, my one big thing was them charging for Xbox Live. I just I just never felt like the service... Well, it was, two, it was two things. I never felt the service was worth the money they were asking, $60 a year. And also, I did do not like did not do not like the practice of locking things away behind that kind of pay gate. Like, why do I have to have Xbox Live to use Internet Explorer? Why do I have to have, have it to use Netflix? Things like that. That just does not make sense to me. Uh, and, and I know now Sony forces you to buy PS Plus for online multiplayer on the PS4. The thing is, that was another benefit to me of PS3 was PS Plus. That was. I'm paying money to get these fantastic discounts and all these free games. There was real value to me there. So we had uh, DualShock, the free online, PS Plus. I like the interface better. I tend to prefer Sony exclusives versus Microsoft exclusives. So there were a whole list of reasons why I was a PlayStation person. Uh, but the point where I can kind of understand system wars and kind of understand uh, loyalty to a certain platform is that all of my friends played on Xbox 360s. Not all of them, but a, a, a majority, a vast majority of them. I would almost say like 75, 80% to, to 25, 20. So when... I went to get a game, the decision was kind of either buy it on the platform I would prefer, like opposite of the one I preferred, would prefer to buy it on, or buy it on the platform where my friend, or I screwed that up, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, let's try this again. Buy it on the platform I would prefer to have it on, PS3, or buy it on the platform where my friends are, Xbox 360. So in, in that case, I can kind of understand the mentality because it would be easy for me to say, well, gee, I want the PS3 to beat out the Xbox 360. That way everybody kind of comes to me. It's, it's kind of like I was thinking of a, a, a correlation to this. It's kind of like, let's say that I live here in LA and let's say all my, all, a lot of my good friends live in New York. And they're living in New York and having a great time in New York. And New York's a great city, but it's not exactly the city I want to live in. Uh, but all my friends do, and they're there, and they're having a lot of fun. 
and I'm over there in LA and I'm kind of a little bit lonely in LA, you know? And I'm like, well, LA is a nice city too. And there's lots of things to see and do out here. You know, this is a good place to live. Why don't, you know, why don't you guys come and move to LA? And their argument is, well, uh, most of us are already living here in New York anyway, you know, so why don't you just come move to New York and then we'll all be together again. So it's kind of mentality, you know, and it's kind of easy to say, no, I, I like LA. I want to be in LA, you know, you guys should come here. So that's, I think that's kind of part of the reason that um, console wars can kind of break out is it's not just this kind of blind loyalty to one platform or another. There's just, you know, this is a place I want to be. I want my friends to be here too. And I guess it's a, it's a, you know, kind of strengthens the argument of the one console future. I mean, of course, that's not necessarily a great path to go down because then, Whoever that maker is, they don't have a lot of uh, incentive to, you know, make a better system, better operating system, better features because they have no competition to take money away from them. So in this long-winded lead-up to what I was going to say, and I am very surprised by this the two games that i've played the most since getting my next gen platforms uh both on those platforms and just in general the two games i've played the most are battlefield 4 and call of duty ghosts and i know it's so weird it's so weird for me to say that it's so weird for me to think that i'm playing these you know it's a stereotypical like what dude bro shooter you know, uh, people going online and he did a teabag in these games. I don't, I don't even know that. Uh, but he's like hardcore on the mic, like yelling at you for screwing up, jumping in and, and killing everything and lone wolfing it and all this, all this kind of stuff. Um, like I, this was, this is, this is the first time I've ever really played either game. Uh, to be fair, I played a little bit of Battlefield Three, very, very briefly because they offered it for free over PS Plus, so I downloaded it and tried it a little bit. And I think I played Call of Duty 2 a little because I think I owned that for the Xbox 360. didn't play much of it, though. Uh, but, but really, in, in reality, I had played almost nothing of both these games. And I was going in very new to both. And I just never thought either would really click with me. But I'm, I'm really, I'm actually, you know what, I'm enjoying both of them. And it's funny because as somebody who loves Japanese games... I see so often the kind of um, stereotyping, I guess you could say, it's done against them, or the kind of prejudging, or the assumptions that are made, and people are, are just like, you know, oh, those are just those wacky Japanese games. I'm not even going to bother with them, whatever. Moe, Loli, blah, blah. Um, you know, but as somebody who, who loves them and enjoys them, I can appreciate, okay, yes, there are some games like that there are some games that just aren't worth my time but there's a lot of really interesting uh, options out there there's like really good things and you know people shouldn't just rag on them about trying them and they should be willing to go outside of their comfort zone in terms of genres and uh game types and game design and things like that and try new things and broaden kind of their horizons but you know the the opposite's actually also true is maybe it's not fair for me to make judgments about a game like a Call of Duty or a Battlefield just because they are very popular and just because they are, are uh, 
far more consumer friendly than a game I might typically play. And they're they're both fun games. They really are. And I was not expecting to get into them as much as I, I did. And to be fair, it's not like I never played first person shooters. Uh, way back in the day, I was really, really big into Unreal Tournament on, on the computer. Um, the Mac could actually run that, and you'd get online, and, and you'd play the standard maps. You'd play, like, all the crazy mods people made, and I loved that game. Uh, I played some games solo, like Doom and Quake and things like that. I played some Quake online. Uh, I've, I've liked I've liked first-person shooters here and there for a long time. Um, one of my most played games probably of the PS3 generation is Resistance 3. I love going online and playing that just when I have, you know, 20, 30 minutes to kill. It was just part of it was, I think, that I went in expecting that a Call of Duty or a Battlefield just would not be my type of game, that it would be... Um, okay, so to, to, let's, let's bring back terrible memories of, of school and growing up. And one of the classes I hated the most was, was PE, you know, cause I, I hated, hated team sports. Solo sports. I was fine because I could go in and if I screwed something up, it was my fault. I had myself to blame. That was it. Team sports. I dreaded partially because I just like, I was just not a sports person and I, I just was not good at them. Um, but another part was that I was always afraid of kind of letting my team down and going out there and not knowing what I was supposed to be doing, you know, and then having everybody just like yell at me because I screwed up. I remember, God, I mean, like just, just volleyball. Volleyball is just such a dreaded memory. Like I stood there the entire time always hoping that, you know, the ball never came to me. And I can't remember if I just sucked at serving or not. Uh, but it was, it was like torture. Like that was, that was the real torture for me in school was, was PE and having to play team sports. And that was just literally torture to me. Okay. Well, maybe not literally torture. Well, if we want to use a new redefined definition of literally it would be, but it was kind of torture. It was semi-literal torture. It was a thing that people did to me to make me feel bad and to punish me. So it's kind of torture. Uh, but I also remember like flag football. Uh, I did I did not understand the rules of football. I had no clue how football worked. And so that was worse because at least with volleyball, I actually kind of understood. Well, it, maybe it wasn't worse because with, with volleyball, I understood the rules. I understood how to play. I just sucked at it. With football... I didn't understand the rules, but it was also very easy for me just to kind of stand to the side and just not get in people's ways and, you know, not have to be part of the game. But I also feel like we played volleyball way more than we ever played football. Anyway, so that's, that's kind of the, the mentality I came into Call of Duty and Battlefield with is I don't understand these things. And I don't feel like there's a grace period that as soon as I jump in there will be these expectations on me to do well and I won't know how to do well and I'll just fail and everybody's going to hate me because I'm sucking but I ended up part of it was I got a chance to play these games um before the official launch date so I was kind of playing with just a few early people so I didn't feel 
there wasn't like this huge rush of like super skilled players already. <coughs> it was people who somehow got their copies early, legally or illegally. Uh, and they were just kind of happy to even have people to play against, I feel like. So I got a chance to go on and, and, and really try them. And I found that even if I suck, um, it's not the intimidating experience that I thought it would be. It, it's, 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 cause I just had like this, I almost want to say, if you think about it, if, if you, let's say you, you, you enjoy like a Ridge Racer an hour and outrun, um, these very casual racing games. It can be intimidating you to go into, let's say, a Need for Speed or a Gran Turismo because you're feeling like you have to know about car tuning and realistic physics and which tires to put on, which shocks you know, to use, all these kind of things. And, and you're used to more of the kind of arcade thing. That's the same way it was for me. I was used to more arcade first-person shooter, and I just had it in my mind that the Call of Duties and the Battlefields were these big almost sim-like experiences, which of course they aren't, but that's the mentality, or not the mentality, the kind of mental image I had in my head of what these games would be. So going into them, I, I end up, it ended up not being as scary as I thought it would be, and, and they're, they're fun. And I enjoy the fact that I can enjoy them because it's, it's nice that, because like I said, there's this almost this drive or this kind of belief that if you're into a certain segment of games, you can't be into the other segment. So in the kind of communities or circles I, I hang out in, it's kind of like, oh, you know, the Call of Duty or the Battlefield are the stupid games that only the dude bros play and they're, they they eat up all the sales and, and the, the small games don't get to sell as many copies because everybody's playing Call of Duty. Um, but I, I enjoy the fact that I can play them and enjoy them. And I am enjoying them. So it's weird. It's really weird. So I don't... Let's see if I have any notes. I don't know if I have notes or not because I wanted to talk about some of my trips from this summer. So I'm going to just make you sit here and listen to me looking for my notes while I'm looking because uh, this makes for a very compelling Belarus. Oh, okay. I do have a few. I do have a few notes. Uh, quaint. So I get a chance to go to Belarus and if you do not know what or where Belarus is. There's an official website. Belarus, I'm trying to figure out where it, the exact location. I will tell you. Okay, so this is from Wikipedia. Belarus, officially the Republic of Belarus, is a landlocked country in Eastern European, <laughs> Eastern European, Eastern Europe, bordered by Russia to the northeast, Ukraine to the south, Poland to the west, and Lithuania and Latvia to the northwest. Its capital is Minsk. Um, over 40% of its 207,600 square kilometers is forested, and its strongest economic sectors are service industries and manufacturing. Until the 20th century, the lands of modern-day Belarus belonged to several countries, including the Principality of Polotsk, the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, and the Russian Empire. In the aftermath of the Russian Revolution, Belarus became a founding constituent republic of the Soviet Union and was renamed as the Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic, BSSR. 
the nation and its territory were devastated in World War II, during which Belarus lost about a third of its population and more than half of its economic resources. The republic was redeveloped in the post-war years. In 1945, the Belarusian SSR became a founding member of the United Nations, along with the Soviet Union and the Ukraine SSR, Ukrainian SSR. Uh, and then they went on to declare sovereignty in July uh, 27th, 1990. And during the dissolution of the Soviet Union, Belarus declared independence on 25th of August, 1991. So, my experience with going overseas had been Japan. And at this point, I, off the top of my head, cannot count how many times I've been there. I would say 10, possibly more. So, for me, when I go to Japan, it's not a foreign country. I mean, I still, I still have the point where, because I am not a complete native speaker, um, I, I, I can speak conversational Japanese. I'm not fluent. I have terrible time reading Japanese. But... Japan to me is not foreign. Japan to me is like a second home. Um, in the same way that I am from Nebraska originally, now I live in Los Angeles. At this point, Los Angeles is not foreign. There are still parts of it I've never been to. There are still things but I don't completely understand, but it is not foreign to me. It's not foreign like if I had come out here for a week vacation. You know, back in the day, I, I would come out here for, for E3. Um, it was foreign. Uh, there was a point when I first moved here for Game Fan. I lived, if you know anything about the area, I lived in a, a place called Thousand Oaks, which is a far, uh, is a suburb kind of out west um, of the 101 from Los Angeles. Maybe maybe about a good 45-minute drive into LA proper. Um, so I lived there. I had no car. Uh, so my entire life was kind of this this little uh, like six block, six to eight block radius of my apartment building. And at that point still, LA was, was foreign to me because I did not go to LA very much. And I did not know anything about LA. I did not have a chance to drive LA or any of these kind of things. At this point, LA is not foreign to me in the same way that Japan is not foreign to me. When I go to Japan, I do not feel like I am in a foreign country. I feel like I am in a country that I belong to in some regards, you know, because I, how much I've been there, because I live there, because I have connections there, because I understand, um, it's not weird. It's not weird and foreign to me. So it's been a long, long time because my first trip to Japan, I want to say was 2000. Yeah. Um, it's been 13 years. It's been 13 years of, of off and on travel to that country. So I have long since lost that ability to be kind of freaked out by being there. You know, I, I'm never ever in a situation where I feel like I'm lost and not, not lost as in you don't know where a building is at or you don't know um, which train to take. I mean, just lost, like you've been picked up and put somewhere else that you just don't understand. So it's been a long time since I've had that feeling. So when the opportunity to go to Minsk, uh, the capital of Belarus came up for me, I was very excited because it was a chance for me to go to somewhere that would be completely different than what I know. Uh, 
what I know from my home country and what I know from my kind of adopted second home country. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've always been curious about the kind of whole Russia, Soviet Union kind of area, you know? I mean, that growing up, you know, during the 80s, Soviet Union was like the the crazy place, you know? That was like the, it's, it's in the, I was going to say it's kind of like what North Korea is right now, but I don't even know that's fair because it's not like North Korea was. Like North Korea is in this kind of, looming shadow over us whereas the soviet union was and you know you're just you're just as a kid kind of experiencing part of that whole cold war mentality you just soviet union wasn't the thing you thought about going to or or experiencing or anything they were just the bad guys and we were the good guys of course you know so I was really curious to to go be, to that area, even though it wasn't like Russia proper. It was, you know, getting a little bit of that flavor of that Eastern Europe, um, Russian area kind of thing. So, and I'm trying to think like what all stories I can tell from this. So it was it was it was easily the longest trip I've ever had, you know, because we had to fly. I remember we flew from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. So we already start by completely traversing the United States. And then I almost want to say that we went to Frankfurt. I should have looked this up. Um, let me just do a quick search of my email so I can find my Minsk. I don't think I'm going to, but I wonder if I saw my itinerary for how we flew over there. That's a Minsk follow-up, Minsk follow-up, airport schedule, itinerary. Okay, so I flew, yeah, so I flew from L.A. to Washington, Washington to Frankfurt, so Frankfurt, Germany, uh, Frankfurt to Minsk. So it was a five-hour flight time, L.A. to Washington. It was an eight-hour flight time, Washington to Frankfurt, and it was a just over two-hour flight time from Frankfurt to Minsk. So just a little bit over 15 hours of flying. So I'm used to kind of the eight to nine for getting to Japan. So this was a, this was a big trip. And then coming back, just to say it's now open, uh, it was Minsk to Vienna, Vienna to Toronto. So this, so this was the first time I've ever, and this, this, is, this is what's kind of good and bad about travel. Okay. This so is my first time ever going to Germany. I went to Frankfurt. Uh, first time ever going to Vienna. So that is, you know what? Before I make a complete fool of myself, because I am 99% sure I know where Vienna is, but I just feel like if I say it right now, uh, yes, Austria. So. First time in Germany, first time in Austria, first time in Canada. So flying back to Toronto, first time ever in Canada, and then Toronto to LA. Uh, so three, three first times for countries. But I, I mean, I, I did not ever walk out of the airport, which sucks. You know, it's exciting because you could say I got went to these places, but you didn't. You really didn't. And if you've ever flown internationally, um, I mean, nationally, you know, it's like okay, so you've you've you fly to Dallas, Fort Worth, you fly to Denver, you fly to, to 
Detroit, wherever, you know. So it's like, that's not a big deal. But when you're like, when you're going to a country for the first time, like there's like this kind of just excitement, but also let down because if you've done this, you know, you know, just like that you don't know. I mean, in little ways, you know, because security will be different. There will be some different uh, voices coming out of speakers. Like when I was in uh, Vienna, <clears throat> I went and I got Euro and I had to pay for things in the Euro. I think it was when I was coming back. Um, maybe it's going there. I don't know. But there's little things that are different, but you, you don't, you don't feel like you're in a different country because it's airports are this completely strange other dimension almost, you know, and when you've been in enough airports, they all just kind of looked the same to you after a while. So it's, it's hard to appreciate that you're in a completely foreign country, especially if, and when you've come off of a long trip and you're just so tired and exhausted. Uh, so I get there and right away I'm going to contradict what I just said because most of the time when I get to an airport it feels the same but not in Minsk so I get off the plane in Minsk and things are just different and it's kind of like if you if you if you look at photos of North Korea and you almost kind of wonder like, okay, is this a black and white photo? Cause there's like no color. And you almost, you almost feel like if you went to North Korea, the world would just feel different. And that's what I felt. I mean, Japan is different. Japan is different. Don't get me wrong, but Japan's not that different in some big ways. You know, you're still going to see like, a, um, just, I don't know, like buildings are the same. You're going to see like a McDonald's sign somewhere. You're going to see neon and signs. You're going to see stores and billboards and game ads and whatever else, you know. Like Japan's different, but it's not different. But this was, this was weird. This was like really feeling like you've stepped off a plane into somewhere else and the, the the reason this hits me is because you go, I go into the airport and I'm, I'm in the group and we, so we go in the airport and it's that kind of like utilitarian design, <clears throat> which would end up being something I, I see in, in many, many places. Um, it's this kind of like, you know, this airport was built to house airplanes <laughs> to get people off of an airplane to bring them in this country you know it, it, it's not about style it's not about looks it's not about um making a first impression it's just about a building to move people into this country like very very concrete um just blocky sharp sharp lines and not that it wasn't color but it, it was like this weird you're living in like this like this pseudo grayscale kind of world because the sky was overcast and, and, and you know gray clouds and just the world was like gray and it was really bizarre to step into. And it's kind of um 
like I, I hate to say that like it's 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 you know stereotypes are always weird because um some of them are are, are come from truth but some of them come from just what we expect to be the truth but if you have this kind of stereotype of like what like Soviet Russia would be, like that's what I stepped off into. And it was really cool. Like it was really awesome, but it was also freaky. It was also freaky because in Japan, there's this like safety. There's like this warmth to things just in the way things look or are built. And I mean, if you've been to Japan, you know that like Japan at times feels like a country that's like just going to fall apart at any moment because there are times that are like there are parts that are super modern and there are parts that are just like held together in some way that you don't know how it works. Um, so I'm not saying like Japan, like everything is just super modern and, and, and clean and, and awesomely designed and everything. But there's, I, I still feel like there's like this warmth to Japan that, you know, like you're okay. You're going to be okay. You know, like whatever's going on, you're going to, you're going to be okay. This was like you don't know, like it's like I mean, and nothing happened to me to be clear, um, you know. But there was like this feeling of you, you don't know, you just you're not in the world you're used to, um, and that really hits home because one of the very first things you have to do is buy health insurance. Now. I have no idea what this insurance actually did. I have no idea if I've been in trouble at all health wise, if it would have done anything for me. And part of the reason is because for my entire trip, I was there for, uh, what, three, three days or so. It was a really quick there and back. Uh, my, my insurance was like two to three bucks, like two, two to three American dollars for those three days. Now being from America, you know, two or three dollars is like that's like that's like a, that's not that that's nothing. That's that's absolutely nothing. There's there's nothing that could ha unless you need a band aid and that is the entirety of your medical needs. There is nothing that two or three dollars is going to cover. Um, so it kind of feels like extortion. Like you you feel like you're getting off the plane and they're just like, you know what, we're getting money from you right away. Um, but it's a weird extortion because you know. Part of me is like, okay, like charge me like 10 bucks, you know, charge me like $10. Tell me that I have to, because I remember with like one of the early times of my going to Japan, um, this was at a point and I don't remember what the, I don't know if it's like, I don't know the exact of it, but there somehow there's like a, an exit fee from the uh, airport there in Japan. And I guess most of them, maybe you just pay for it through your ticket, but I did not pay for it through my ticket. So I had to buy it. Uh, and anyway, I think it was like 20 to 30 bucks, you know, 20, 20, 30 dollars to say, okay, you, you are, you are using our airport to leave, pay us this money or you don't get to leave, you know? Uh, okay. Do, do, do like that, you know, like do something that makes me feel like actually something real is happening here. Because if you're telling me I had to pay you 30 bucks to get in your country, I understand. Okay. You're like, okay, these people come from countries where they have money much more than us, we're going to extort a little money out of them. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm fine. You know, I can respect that. I can respect your saying, you know, when you want to come in, uh, slip with a few bucks, you know, like I get that. When you ask for like two to three dollars for me, that just makes me feel even weirder because that makes me feel like either you don't know what's going on and you don't know how to extort somebody properly or just something really, really freaking bizarre is going on in this country. You know, like this country is in a, is in an era 
that doesn't exist. But that's what I felt like I found because the thing I ended up noticing is that like this, the entirety of Belarus from what I saw was like the 1970s. And now you may say, okay, Belarus, a very old country, lots of old buildings, you know, things were built during the Soviet era. Um, and then they just, you know, they went for their independence. They broke off. I get that. But the thing is, we're, we're out at a little bit later point. We're out, we're driving around and we see like this kind of construction site and we see the building they're building. And this building, swear to God, looks like it's from the 1970s. So even like the brand new stuff they're building, it's, it's like this country was a time warp. And that, that first step, that asking for two to three bucks from me, like that was like the first step of this time warp. It's just, you feel something's off. You know, something's just really weird here. So we get, we get to the hotel. Um, and the, ho the, the airport's crazy, but like I saw one half of crazy and then I saw a different half of crazy when I went back. But so, okay, so I, I buy this insurance. We're all forced to. And it's just these two very nice ladies. Um, and we just give them, I think, like our passport or something. And then they just have this weird form they fill out. And then we give them like three bucks. And then they give us a password back. They give us a little form. And then I've got this little stub that says I have insurance now. And like, again, I have no idea what insurance I have for $3, but sure. Okay, whatever. And, and, and the, 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 they, they don't tell you. They don't, they don't tell you. Like there's no sign saying, yo, buy the insurance. It's just like you have to know. And that's kind of weird. Uh, but so we're going to the airport. And I said, it's, it's just really utilitarian, really just like to me, in my mind, thinking what I know about Soviet Russia from movies, television, games, whatever. This is like just so uber Soviet era kind of building. Uh, and so then we go through and you were kind of told, look, just don't, don't talk too much to the people who work at the airport, you know, just, you're going to get to like the security section and there was no immigration. There was no real immigration as we, as we know it, you know, but there's this lady who you got to like, just get, show her your passport. You show her the fact that you have this insurance and then she'll, she'll let you go. Um, so I get to her and it's just, it is really like just, you know, it reminds me of like that Seinfeld with the soup Nazi where you're just like, you step to the counter, you hand your money, you're saying just a, a monotone voice, you know, your order, and then you step to the side. That's kind of what it felt like. So we get through that and we get these shuttle buses and we get to the hotel and the hotel is like, is weird too. Because it's it's an it's a it's actually a nice it's a nice hotel but it's not a nice hotel it's it's it's, it's got a bitchin' bathroom like it's just awesome bathroom this crazy bathroom but again crazy in a very utilitarian like <coughs> and it makes sense that I, I like this but it, it's almost like a mental hospital is what I feel like I'm staying in you know because you get in the bathroom and it's just like that that tile everywhere and everything just feels like it's it was built to last for like 150 years, not to be stylish, but just to last. And there's this weird like radiator in the bathroom for the heat. That's crazy. Um, but it's a nice, it's a nice hotel. And the crazy thing to me, I go in the bathroom, there's like 10 towels, like 10, uh, you know, I mean, 
for us in America, you go to a hotel, there are the exact amount of towels for whoever is staying in your room. You know, they do not give you any more than that unless you beg them for a few. I go to this place, there's like 10 towels sitting there waiting for me. Like that is just, that was great to me for some reason. Um, so, so down in the lobby, there's this kind of gift shop. And we get there, and, and we basically have the rest of the day um, just do whatever because, you know, they know we're getting in. It's been 15 hours of flying. They're not going to have us do anything that day, you know. I, I think we had, like, a sh really quick little um, dinner kind of meeting where we just went and they had a buffet and stuff. I'll get to the food in a second. But uh, so down in the lobby, there's this little gift shop. And I go down, and... There's this, um, gal who, who works with the company who sent us over there and she's there kind of like as a helper, you know, she speaks English, she speaks Belarusian, which is a, uh, version of, of Russian. Cause I think in Belarus, they speak Russian and Belarusian. Uh, they're it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know if the equivalent would be like regular Japanese in Osaka Ben, you know, um, Kind of like that, maybe. So she's down there, and I'm kind of like, you know, I'd, I'd like a few some some souvenirs, and I because I was looking because they have these glass cases with um, souvenirs there. I get, I'm sorry, I, sh I should go back a second because this is important. Um, so when we go, we're kind of told um, you you can get Belarusian rubles if you want, uh, but you don't you don't really have to. Now, again, with Japan being my only real foreign country experience, um, you're not going to get far with American dollars. You know, you, you might occasionally find somebody who's crazy enough to take them, but for the most part, you're going to want yen. You know, uh, now you can kind of maybe use a credit card here or there, but really, you want yen in your pocket. So that's my mentality. So I go downstairs, and there's a bank there. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Um, I want some, like, souvenir or something. I might need a drink or something. I'll, I'll exchange it. I've got, like, 40 bucks in my pocket, American cash-wise. I'll exchange it. So I exchange it for Belarusian for rubles. Man, this big stack of money. Oh, my God, that's cool. All right. I think the exchange rate was uh, $1 to 8,850 rubles. So, okay, so I'm over, I'm looking at the kind of souvenir area. And then I I meet up with the, the lady from the company, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. So we go back, I'm looking at them. I'm kind of asking her about the, uh, oh, are they Metstroika? No, that's not it. The, the, the dolls, the doll, you know the dolls, the, where you get the doll, and you open it up, and then the doll inside it, and you open that one up, and the one inside it. So I'm looking at that. Because everybody knows that, you know. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be kind of a, a nice souvenir. And she's like, well, you know, to be fair, it's not really Belarusian; it's it's Russian. And I'm like, okay, I did not know that. You know, I feel I feel like a little ass for not knowing that, but okay. And she's like, well, there's these straw dolls here. And she tells me a story about the fact that <clears throat> back a ways back in in Belarus's history. Uh, you know, you had a lot of people who were very poor and they did not have much, but they had straw, you know, they had 
straw was very easy to produce or it was abundant because of whatever. Anyway, she said like straw was like gold to them because that was that was what was plentiful. That's what they had. And they did a lot of things with straw because they didn't have a lot of other stuff otherwise. So they had these dolls that are made out of straw. And I'm like, great. That's these I'm looking at them, they're really cool, they're different. There's a story. I can tell this story to people. You know, when I give them to them, I'm like, okay, let's see. And Belarus, straw is like gold, you know, because they didn't have blah, blah, blah. Great. Love them. And they're really cute, too. So she calls a lady over. And then the lady doesn't speak English at all, you know, of course. Uh, so the lady's, like, just talking and talking to my, to my friend. And she's translating for me. And it's like, oh, I like this one, you know. We're looking at this one anyway. And so I kind of I pick out two of them kind of wanting I'm thinking about it and she's like well you know you know this is a hotel and this is like a hotel gift shop basically um what you could do is you go on the street aways and there's like this market and they have like a bunch of little shops there and you can probably find you know not the exact dolls because they're all like handmade not the exact dolls but you can find like very similar things down there and they're going to be cheaper because, you know, this is a hotel. Hey, international guests in here. They're trying to, you know, get a little bit of extra money from them. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Um, so what do I have to do to get there? And she's like, well, you have to take a taxi, you know. I'm like, can I, can I walk? She's like, no, I'll take a taxi. You know, I, I can write the address down. You just get a taxi. Take it down there. Maybe like a mile, mile off or something like that. Get stuff down there. You find a taxi to bring it back. And I'm like, ugh, I'm kind of thinking about it. And it, it's like, if this is Japan, no, no problem. I mean, I don't know if I take a taxi in Japan, but in Japan, I feel like, I feel confident. I feel confident I can understand the basics of communicating with a taxi driver, having him take me somewhere, understanding the cost, you know, know if I'm getting fleeced or not, knowing I'm not getting fleeced in Japan, you know. Uh, and then doing things in the store, buying it, getting right back. But, you know, she's saying it's cheaper. So I asked her, I'm like, okay, so like, like what kind of prices? And she gives me the prices in rubles. And I figure it out. Difference, <laughs> difference is like two to three bucks. Like we're talking, if I buy at the hotel, I think for the $2 I was looking at, it was maybe like $8, eight to 10, let's say. And if I go to this place, Maybe it's like five to six for dolls. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, and I said, oh, you know, it's okay. You know, I'm a little tired. I'll just buy the dolls here. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I, I come on. I, I, three bucks, like two, three dollars. I, I can't, I, no, no. You know, like that's, that's to me just ridiculous. I mean, to be fair to her, and this is something I kind of learned, I mean, you know, and this was like one of the fun parts was kind of just having your eyes open about these kind of things is that to her, that two or three bucks was kind of like a big deal, you know, like, like, um, that was a different, uh, that was like, let's say, I would say the equivalent maybe to me would be like, uh, maybe like $15 difference, you know, like, okay, if you just, you know, you can take a taxi, taxi that much, like even after the taxi, after the taxi, yeah, and there you come back, save like 15 bucks, you know, but it was just for me, like, Look, I, I'm sorry. I, I appreciate the advice. I appreciate you wanting me to save money, but for two to three dollars, 
that's just way too much work that I, you know, that's too much effort I have to ex ex expend to save like three bucks. I, I just can't. I'm sorry. So I buy them, and then the next day we go to we go to Stalin's line, which Stalin's line was a part of Belarus where you know Stalin set up his his line for holding off Nazi Germany. And I mean, it was like, it was crazy, you know? Um, it was crazy to be somewhere where you just know, like, wow, this was like a real part of history. And you get there and there's there's tanks, helicopters, jets, there's missiles just sitting sitting around there, you know? Uh, it was it was pretty, um, pretty unreal, you know? And, and the next day, uh, we get to go around and kind of see some of the sides of the city and things. And... It was just it said it was it was so different and it was it was exciting it was it was it was two things first it was exciting and it's exciting because like I said I'm I've gotten so used to Japan Japan's not a foreign country to me anymore you know so being somewhere foreign and and being somewhere like okay some people might not think this is fair but I think about you know oh I want to go to like Korea or China. But I feel I still feel like I have a little bit of familiarity there, you know. I have a little familiarity with kind of how the Asian world works, like how Asian countries work. I know enough about Korea, enough about China to kind of understand things. I've I've legitimately eaten food from both countries, things like that. So I kind of feel like if I'm going to to China, going to to Korea, that I have I have some some point of reference there, you know, but this for me was just everything was new, you know. Um, it was it was awesome, and one of the funniest parts that day was we get to uh, it's kind of like town town center, and they're showing this this big memorial for people who like died in the war. Um, they're, they're, they have like this little, uh, a meeting house where kind of when the Soviet revolution was, was, was getting ready to get kicked off, you know, um, this is one of the places where kind of like meetings were being held and they went and they had a little reenactment of things and that was really cool, but we're walking and there's this hotel <laughs> and our tour guide it was like, so in this hotel, it's very famous because at one point, uh, the, the American that you know as Lee Harvey Oswald was living here. And we're like, oh, okay. Of course, Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald, the man who killed President Kennedy. And he's like, oh, yes, yes, he, he lived here uh, for a while. And... You know, it's a tour guide. She's from she's from Belarus. So she, obviously, she's gonna tell like these this cool story, you know, about like like what happened and, and whatever. And she's like, "Well, uh, he was living here, but uh, he he said that he hated Minsk, that it was boring, that we had no bowling or no disco, uh, and and he couldn't stand it anymore. So he went back to America." And, and then he shot your president, you know? And it's just like, what kind of story is this? Like, what kind of, like, like for, it's just like, you know, first of all, it's just like, that. that's really like, you're, you're, you're trying to show us your city, your country, and, and, 
and show us all the wonderful things about it and 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 the, the the interesting things and then you're telling us that that because your country was too boring that a man went went back to america and killed our president you know like okay great then if you guys had a, had a freaking bowling alley president kennedy would still have been alive so it was just like a funny 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 story um so it, it comes it comes and it's like it's like 5 a.m i think it's our flight it's absolutely ridiculous and we're gonna go back and we get we get like a, ta a taxi called for us for like two of us or maybe three of us I don't remember and so we we we, we head back and we're we're driving along and I'd kind of already noticed this I skipped food I'll, I'll go back to food in a second uh, I kind of noticed this but. One of the weirdest things to me was gas stations. When driving by, they would have the gas prices in three amounts. They would have gas in Belarusian rubles, like how much per, per liter it was. Then they would have gas in euro, how much per liter it was in euro. And then they would have how much gas would be per liter in dollar, like American dollar. And that was what was like interesting. So when we got there... We were told that, like, you know, I said before that we were told, like, we didn't necessarily need to exchange money for rubles. And one of the reasons we were told was the fact that we could not get our money back. Um, but they would be happy to sell us rubles, but they would not buy them back. And my understanding of that is that the, the ruble is not nearly as valuable as a dollar or a euro. So they want the dollars. They want the euros, you know. So they will happily sell you Belarusian rubles and they'll take your dollars and they'll take your euros, but they do not want to give up those dollars and those, those euros. So it was interesting to me, like how many places I would go to that, um, would take dollars. And it was just, it was, it was, it was, um, weird, you know, like I said, I was, I was used to being in Japan and, and having everything be yen and, and not have that kind of uh situation you know so we're driving back and we get to the airport and now this blows my mind we we park there are there are parking spaces right in front of the airport like literally right like the the, the doors to go into the airport there's like just standard parking spaces there Completely bizarre, of course, to me at this at this point in life, you know. I mean, I, I remember I remember pre nine eleven airports. Um, we never had parking spaces that close. I mean, I remember when like you could just stop there for for more than five seconds without getting yelled at. You know, I remember when you could go on the gates, things like that. But uh, there were never just parking spaces like right there in front of it. Maybe like way back, but so there were parking spaces there. So we get there and. I don't remember how much the taxi ride is, but you know, I'm used to tip, you know, being what, 20% at this point. I, I, I don't know the right percentage for taxi ride is typically 20%, whatever. Um, so I basically give the guy like five bucks, you know, because I, I had like, a, I had like a remaining amount of rubles and I wanted to keep 
one bill of every denomination. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I'll just give the guy the rest of it. So I, I think I think it was like five six buck tip. Um, but that like like he was so grateful for that money, and I'm not saying that like I, I I'm I want to be kind of careful. I don't want that to be like, oh, I was doing this guy a big favor. It was just that again because of going to Japan, you know, I've been to countries where the kind of value of money is the same. I mean, Japan's a little, a little off, you know, like, you, you know, you, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to movie theater costs like 18 bucks, maybe, you know, or, or a CD costs like $30 or things like that. But in general, there's kind of the same basic value to, to money between dollar and euro for, for what you're spending and what you're earning and things like that. You know, but that's not the case in Belarus. And, and it just wasn't like, I wasn't used to it, and I I felt like this super rich person being there, which I'm not. But because of like just the cost of things, like I, it was it was weird. It really was. And and to me, again, it went back to like that thing with the souvenirs. To me, it was like I'm giving this guy a five buck tip. Like in America, I'd feel bad about it because the distance between where we, our hotel and the airport was, was a pretty decent way. Um, and at one point I did not know if he was taking us to the airport or out to kill us somewhere. Cause we were just in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, you know what? I'm in a country where I don't speak the language. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know where the airport is compared to where we were at. I have no idea what's going on. Um, but to me, like, okay, it's like a five buck tip, no big deal. But like to this guy, like it was like such a super huge deal, and he was like so thankful for it. And it 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 was it was weird. It really was. It was weird. Um, in a good way though. You know, it was it was it was a chance to kind of have an experience outside of my comfort zone. And um, I was uh kind of freaked out sometimes. I'll be honest. Uh, not like I ever thought that I was going to be kidnapped or anything, but it was. It was not Japan. The thing I always say about Japan is that I don't know if there's ever been a point in Japan where I've I've not felt safe. It could be I can be three a.m. in the morning, completely dark out, walking down the back alley somewhere in Tokyo or Osaka or whatever, uh, and I've never felt unsafe. I, I I even know like there's places where people are like, look, this is not a safe part of, of town. I've never felt unsafe in Japan. Never. Um, nothing directly happened to me in, in Belarus to make me feel unsafe, but it was a different feeling. And just something in the air was different. And I did not feel that sense of security that I feel in Japan. Uh, again, not, not necessarily a bad thing. It was an, a, a different thing. And, you know, I really appreciate the chance of the ability to go out and have different experiences, you know, different life experiences. So it was really, really fascinating. Um, so we get back to the airport, we go in, and there's there's this line, and we're told not to get into the line because that's people who are basically buying tickets. Like there's, So there's just like one line, and I guess in Belarus and Minsk, you just go there and you just buy your ticket right at the airport. Um, and I would definitely say that that this might not be a fair statement. Uh, it felt like a country that did not want you to go anywhere. 
Like the airport was out in the middle of nowhere. It did not feel like it was really set up to have people like traveling out of it. But they were kind of like, you know, the bare minimum of what they needed to have to bring people in and out. But they weren't really encouraging you to go anywhere if you were already there. Um, so I go to the security checkpoint. And there's like this like x-ray machine. And I have my bag. And I'm like, I have a computer in my bag. Do you need me to take it out? Security lady like, nah. Takes the bag, puts it on the belt, and goes through. I'm like, uh, my shoes, jacket, anything? She's like, nah, just walk. So it was it was amazing. Like, I hate, I hate airport security. So it was it was fantastic to me, you know. Um and again, like it was just it was just it was very like otherworldly going through that airport and getting back on the flight. Um I said I'm I'm really I'm really thankful to have had that chance, you know, because I think that when we do things outside of our sphere of comfort, uh it's not outside of our comfort zone, you know outside of what we consider to be normal, um, I think we learn more about ourselves, you know? And that's an area of the world that I think I never would have gone to otherwise, that I'd never... Uh, yeah, I, I, I've had interest in going to Russia, you know, obviously. Uh, obviously, uh, I mean, um, but... I just don't know if I would ever go to Belarus. I don't know if I would ever have the chance to go to that kind of Eastern European area. But I'm really, I'm really thankful. And I think that as... Whenever we can, we sh- we need to do things like that. And you know, I, I was I was uh, I forgot to tell that story. Um, most of the time, and and so this this like I said, this is a thing I've completely lost with Japan. I mean, when I go to Japan, I I understand that I won't un- understand everything. You know, I know that, but I still feel a level of comfort in in that I can understand some things and I can speak to people if I need to speak to people. Belarus was was different. It was just it was like I am a baby in this world, you know, and I have to hope that somebody can translate my baby language enough to to have the adults give me the food or 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 you know whatever I need at that certain point to in order to survive. But that's fun sometimes, and you need to do that. Like I know people are scared of that. I um. I went with the when I went to TGS this year. I went with a coworker who who speaks not not a lick of Japanese. Never been to Japan before, uh, and he really just felt lost the entire time. And and I could kind of feel that sometimes, um, he, I almost would say like he shut down. You know, like he didn't even want to try anything just because he did not know where to begin trying. So it's 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 very easy to to get to that point where you just feel so lost that you just don't don't can't think of anything, you know. And I understand that. I understand the fear of that, but you should do it sometimes. Because you you can survive it, you know. Even if it gets to the point of you're just like pointing at things. You know, like you point at a piece of food and then you hold up your fingers to make it, you know, two which I think my friend did a few times. Uh, you know, just do that. Do, put yourself in situations where you are lost. Because 
not only will you learn more about the world, you'll learn more about yourself. You will learn so many things about yourself when you have to deal with the situation outside of what you are comfortable dealing with. So it was, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Um, the only thing that was fantastic to, to wrap this up, uh, I mean, that was not fantastic, was the food. I am not a fan of food in Belarus. Uh, what I will say is that at every single meal I ate, pretty much from my recollection, uh, there were French fries. There were French fries at everything. And I don't know if that was a standard thing for their buffets. I don't know if that was their, our understanding of Americans is they just eat French fries with everything. So we will know they like that. But there were French fries with everything, which was a, which, which, which at the end of the day was, was a good thing. But it was, um, it was a lot of food I was known into. Yeah, it was a lot of, uh, I don't even know. I didn't know how to explain it. Like, I don't know if saying pickled is the right word. Um, just, you know, I, I, okay. Taking, taking out, taking out specific places like, like, like a France, for example, you know, and in Italy, of course, Italy is a completely separate subject on this. Um, but there's like a European kind of food. I think it's fair to say that. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. It was when I go, when I go to Japan. I I enjoy the chance to eat Japanese food. There's a lot of things I want to eat that I don't get a chance to normally. I mean, like in in LA, we've got ramen, but you know, it's very it's much easier to get ramen in Japan. Uh, okonomiyaki, yakisoba, uh, udon, uh, yakitori, whatever. It's like lots of different things, you know. I I I I love. I I don't Japanese food's weird because like I I love certain parts of it. And certain parts I could, I could give and take, you know. But in general, I, I can I can definitely survive living in Japan on on Japanese food. Um, and you know what? When I, when I get back, I'm like, you know what? Okay, I, I could go for this or that now. But man, the, the food in Belarus was the entire time I was just like, I cannot wait to get back to America and American food. Like as crappy and greasy and terrible as it can be i was just what american food because and again it's just like it's like what we're used to you know but just everything in belarus tasted off to me to what i was expecting and that's, I mean, that's part of it because when you go to japan when i go to japan it's japanese food and i understand that you know like, okay this is gonna taste like this this is gonna like that this is this is all japanese food this is a separate thing from what i'm used to so when I eat these foods and, and try their flavors, it will make sense to me. In Belarus, it felt more like these are things I feel like I know, but the taste is not at all what I know. You, you know, like a sausage, for example. They have like sausages. And I feel like I know what the taste is going to be like when I have a sausage, but then I had it there and it's a completely different taste. Um, 
I love the trip. I love the chance to go there. I love the chance to do something different. It was fantastic. But the food I could have done without completely. Uh, even the weird French fries. Even the French fries were kind of weird. I don't know. But everybody was so nice. Everybody was wonderful. Um, it was a, just a beautiful country. Uh, in its in its weird gray, uh, utilitarian kind of way. And I'm I'm glad I'm glad I had a chance to go. I'm glad I had a chance to to do something different. And and it was it was interesting because I I went from going to Belarus in August to then going back to Japan for TGS in September. In September, so it was a uh, very interesting like month period of time there. I was gonna say some things about Japan as well. You know, my my trip to Tokyo because. Like I feel like every time I go there, I feel like every time I go to that country, I understand it more and understand it less. And so I had like a list of things I was going to talk about, but you know, it, we're we're over an hour now, we're an hour 16. And I I am thinking that it is smarter for me to quit now and have some hope of you wanting to listen again later than it would be to continue rambling off for another hour or so. And if I cut it off now, I know I can get this podcast out and done um, and put up. Whereas if I keep going, something might stop me halfway and then I would just have to finish another day and then maybe it would never get done. So, uh, if you want to email me, uh, if you are from Belarus and you hate how I represented your country, (laughs) or if you have anything else you want to talk about, in regards to this podcast, other podcasts, and look, let's be fair here. Okay, uh, the last Miranda Sweet Shop it was in May, so June, July, August, September, October, November, December—seven months. It's been seven months since I did a solo podcast. So if I'm rusty, have a, have a little. Uh, have a little mercy on me here. I believe Miranda. I believe I'm looking for. That's not it. Well, this is not fun. Where is my email address for this show? Okay. Yes. So the email address, it's going to be in the show notes anyway, I'm sure. But the email address is Miranda at morningproject.com that is m-a-m-i-r-a-n-d-a miranda at morning m-o-r n-i-n-g morning project p-r-o-j-e-c-t dot com so um another thing i haven't done in a long time is drink alcohol and it's obviously affecting me in my trying to spell. So if you've noticed any change over the course of the show, that is why. That's why I cannot spell right now. So anyway, that's that's going to be in the show notes. So you will know how to email me if you want to email me. Uh, anything you want to email about, you can. Uh, if if let's, 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 let's have a, a interesting footnote here um, or whatever. Uh, if you know what my situation is and if it ends up that by the next show, I can talk about my situation. 
if you want to send me an email in preparation for that possible show, you can do so. Uh, and I'm not telling you what the situation is. So you have to just know. So if you do, and it'll be fun too, because like maybe people will send me email. Well, no, nobody's going to send me email, but maybe it'd be funny if somebody did and what they thought was completely different. Um, but anything you want to send, any questions, whatever, anything that would be sent on, read on the show, uh, anything in regards to this show, previous shows, whatever. And what I will say is I will try, well, um, I'm not going to make promises because uh, things might be weird for me in the future for a while. But what I was going to say was I, I think it would be good if I can try to get back in the rhythm of this so that, that I'm not so rusty when doing these solo podcasts. But we will see. And I think we're going to do another nichiest podcast ever soon. They're kind of waiting on me. And as far as that other show, um, maybe. That's the most I'm going to say, that one word maybe. But otherwise, if you want to follow me on Twitter, which if you're listening to this, I'm pretty much assuming you know my Twitter account. Because I don't know, I don't think that anybody listens to this and doesn't know me from other places. But if you don't, um, on Twitter, I am Pico Airy, P-I-K-O-E-R-I. I believe that is in the show notes as well. Let's see. It is. Uh, next show. So next show will either be me talking about big things or it will be me talking about um, Japan again. Because it's a topic that people seem to be interested in and because I, I did, I, I really did come away with uh, some additional thoughts about Japan from my last trip there. It could be about that, or it could be about something else. I don't know. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Again, I don't know why you do, but I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate anybody who listens to this and, and finds some sort of enjoyment from hearing me babble for an hour and some minutes. As always, I'm Shidoshi, and this has been another episode of Miranda's Sweets Shop.